so I, you know, without a doubt, it's really important just to to throw yourself in and take action. It's really, really important that you do stuff. Don't just think about it, do it. And whatever you, whatever direction you fling yourself in, even if you rule it out, because you realize, you know what? I got work experience in that office doing whatever it was, and that's not for me. Great, you've ruled it out. But you need to take action. And, um, you know, as I say, I'm a, I'm a big fan of, of networking. You know, I think networking is really important. I set up a networking group myself about three and a half years ago. I didn't, you know, I knew I didn't want to go into town. I had young kids. Mm. I couldn't go into central London. So I created a local networking group for creative, it's called Creative and Entrepreneurial Women. And it's just for women in the area who doing their own thing in some capacity. And that's great because you go along to something like that, you chat with people and you find out what other people do, you get inspired. The Naughty Bites podcast. Today, I'm joined by the beautiful Dominique Wolf. Dominique's talents know no boundaries. A singer, and if you didn't know, also performed in Glastonbury, turned entrepreneur and was this year's winner of Channel 4's The Great Cookbook Challenge. Is there anything she can't do? Her simple, accessible East and Southeast Asian style recipes can be found in her cookbook, Dominique's Kitchen, which hit the shelves this June. Not only is she a busy mother of three, Dominique also has her own food brand, The Wolf's Kitchen, selling a range of sauces, condiments and snacks inspired by her Thai roots. If this hasn't fired up your imagination, follow Dominique's culinary journey about the magic of food and her spicy and sexy recipes. Welcome, Dominique. How are you today? I'm great. Thank you for having me. As you know, my podcast is called Naughty Bikes. What's your most sinful treat that you find yourself tiptoeing into the kitchen for when everyone's in bed? Well, um, there'd be a couple of things. So first of all, if I've made it, my miso chocolate fridge cake, oh my goodness, that's ridiculous. <laughs> I, I literally, yeah, the recipes in my book, and I have to say when I was recipe testing it, it was dangerous. I would hide it from the kids. You know, it's too <laughs> good. Like, they love it so much, right? And they would eat it all. So I would hide it from the kids and I would eat half of it in a go. So oh, good. That's so good. Yeah, failing that, a bar, a big bar of chocolate. <laughs> always, always. Like living in Spain, I miss Cadbury's chocolates, just a whole bar to myself. Yeah, I and know. Just literally, I know. Just I'm a whole nut fan. Whole nut. <laughs> Always. So I wanted to ask: You've gone from working in recruitment and sales to being a singer and songwriter, to starting a family, to starting Wolf's Kitchen, and now you're a cookbook and author. Is there anything you can't do? <laughs> well, you know, it sounds like a lot, and I guess it is. Um, for me, I'm very tunnelled visioned, um, but. I can't be like that in every part of my life. So admittedly, um, you know, I'm not the most tidy person. Uh, so things like the household chores and the laundry, they kind of take a back seat uh, because I can't, I can't compete. I can't <laughs> do everything. So yeah, uh, it's not on all sides. I'm guilty of that as well. I have a habit of not tidying up after myself. Thankfully, yeah. my husband does. So what made you go and go, I want to pursue something different, but what like what was your chat like thought process in that yeah so I um did recruit I actually rewind when I was a teenager always wanted to do music that was the thing I wanted to do 
Um, I got a job in sales and recruitment because I was good at sales and, you know, I was earning a decent salary for my age uh, because I was able to get those sales and make those placements in recruitment. Um, and I was doing music on the side. So music was, I was always following that passion. Um, and then I decided to sort of um, give up the day job, go freelancing. I did freelance market research analysis, which is was a, a little bit, um, you know, not as exciting, shall we say, but it enabled me to free up my day times. Um, so I sort of actively pursued music for quite a few years. I then, I guess I fell out of love with it and I realized it was never going to be the career I wanted it to be. Um, then had three kids in quick succession. So I was literally, you know, I dived into that. So for five years, I was a stay-at-home mom. Um, okay. But in the back of my mind, I felt I really was missing something. I was missing this sort of mission, this kind of the re my reason. Um, and I knew it wasn't going to be music. I knew I didn't want to go back to sales and recruitment. I couldn't be in an office job having spent so many years out of it. Um, and then was I, I literally had, you know, some soul searching. What do I want to do with my life? What is the passion I want to pursue? And I realized it was food. Um, I had always been a mad, passionate foodie before the days of Instagram. I was always taking photos of my food. Uh, God knows where they are now. They're uh, on some, you know, hard drive somewhere. But I, I always love eating out of food. And before kids, I would eat out a few times a week, uh, okay. look at the time out, best cheap eats, and always go and find them, especially kind of um, Asian cuisine in particular, obviously. Um, so then I came, I realized that food was what I wanted to do. Um, my aunt, Thai auntie, because I'm half Thai, my Thai auntie had uh, made these wonderful sauces. So something sort of clicked. I knew it was food related. I knew that these sauces, her tamarind sauce in particular, was amazing. I'd never had a flavor like that. And I thought, wow, it'd be great to bring that to market. I also thought, wouldn't it be great to be food writing? I enjoyed writing. So I knew that there was sort of both strands I wanted to pursue. So what I actually did first, rather than get on to making sauces, I thought, right, well, let's go to Leeds Cookery School. Um, I do like, I'm someone who likes going on courses. It, you know, if I've got an interest, I like to go on a workshop, a course, just to learn more about it. Because I think it's, sometimes it's easy to read the information at home, but, and you don't, it doesn't absorb. For me, I need to sort of be doing it and kind of be a bit more okay. practical with it. Um, and I thought that going to Leeds would really immerse myself in the food industry. I didn't know what, how it would help, but okay. I just felt that it would be, it'd give me that sort of foundation. And actually it proved to really help me in the great cookbook challenge. Um, so what I did is I went to Leeds, did uh, about six months of part-time course there, one of a couple of their professional courses. Um, okay. At the same time, I got a regular uh, gig writing um, a monthly column for a health and wellness site. And that was great discipline. So it was literally going, right, I, want, I know I want a recipe right, let's get that experience. And it gave okay. me that discipline of learning how to, you know, um, put a recipe together, um, how to sort of structure it, how to sort of, and, you know, I improved dramatically in that sort of year period. Um, mm -hmm. I also contacted, there's a local cultural artistic sort of uh, paper around or okay. new, magazine paper around the North London where I live called Village Raw. And okay. I approached them and said, can I write a regular column for you and they let me do that online so all of this was to get experience to do it um okay. and sort of during this food writing process I then said to myself right it's September 19 I am going to uh, set myself a goal I've not worked on these sources that I keep on talking about so I decided to say by the December I'm going to have three sources uh, so I gave myself a hard deadline because I, I knew that that was an area I wanted to focus in at that point um, and I came up I fine-tuned my tamarind recipe came up with two others that were inspired by Thai um, spicy sauces found a manufacturer um, and I, I think 
for me and something I tell people is you know start before you're ready it's just so important because I could have worked for ages thinking of a name I debated for a bit couldn't come with anything better so it came up with the world's kitchen um I you know I spent a while doing it and you can pay thousands of pounds getting an agency to help your name and I thought you know what I'm just bootstrapping this I'm going to do it myself I went to the local farmer's market because the other thing I was also um, the other thing I was also doing is going to as many sort of workshops and networking events as possible um, and events about food. So I'd heard, you know, go and test it in the market. So I didn't have branding, but I did had Canva, created a label. <laughs> and Canva's went, a lifesaver. It's amazing, isn't it? And I, yeah, so I created these labels, went to the farmer's market and got real life feedback on the products, which was amazing. I sold about 250 bottles in two days. People love wow. the product. So, you know, that was how I sort of got into it. Um, so so a lot of people are like you myself included you have to immerse yourself in some I'm not much of a reader like I love reading things I'm interested in but when it comes to learning um a lot of people like me is like I want to do it 100% if not I'm not doing it would you ever create your own cookery school to learn Thai Thai cooking I I don't um, I never say never so I definitely am someone who says you know never say never at the moment that isn't part of my what I want to do I'm not a teacher um some people are really naturally gifted towards that I'm, I'm not sure I am um <laughs> and also my food it's not I mean I, maybe this doesn't matter but it's not authentic Thai food and I'm saying I'm not saying that and actually I've written in my introduction these are not necessarily authentic Thai recipes some of the recipes are my mum's or my aunt's recipes but a lot of them are just me using those flavors so I have a bottle of hoisin in my cupboard I love those flavors well how can I make that into a quick stir fry it's not about recreating something authentically um it's you know, I give people tips on how to make the most of their store cupboard, how to make their sort of cooking process a lot quicker. Um, okay. You know, there are those kinds of tips. And obviously, I, I've had training, but I definitely, I wouldn't say I'm a, you know, professional chef or or, uh, or teacher. <laughs> okay, so that leads me to my next question. Anyone who is wondering on changing their career, because you've gone from so many different, your your CV is just fantastic. What inspirational tips would you give them? I think you've got to do, I think you've got to explore, be active, okay? Um, I think it can feel overwhelming. And I felt this when you don't know what you want to do and you think, oh my goodness, I have no idea what I want to do. But speak to people, start putting feelers out. You know, I was looking into working for a charity. I spoke to people who worked at charities. Mm-hmm. I got a bit of an understanding. If And literally start doing things, go to workshops, go to talk, speak to people who are doing it, extend your network. Um, get some work experience. You know, I did that actually when I was at Leeds. I went to work in um, a few restaurants for a few days. I knew I didn't want to work in a restaurant because it's a it's a really tough environment. It's long hours. Not you know, it wouldn't have worked with kids. But I wanted to experience it. Um, so I, you know, without a doubt, it's really important just to to throw yourself in and take action. It's really really important that you do stuff. Don't just Think about it, do it. And whatever you, whatever direction you fling yourself in, even if you rule it out, because you realize, you know what? I got work experience in that office doing whatever it was, and that's not for me. Great, you've ruled it out. But you need to take action. And, um, you know, as I say, I'm a, I'm a big fan of, of networking. You know, I think networking is really important. I set up a networking group myself about three and a half years ago. I didn't, you know, I knew I didn't want to go into town. I had young kids. Mm-hmm. I couldn't go into central London. So I created a local networking group for creative, it's called Creative and Entrepreneurial Women. And it's just for women in the area who 
doing their own thing in some capacity. And that's great because you go along to something like that, you chat with people and you find out what other people do, you get inspired. Definitely. I think you'll be, you'd be a fantastic ambassador for women, entrepreneurship and just someone that's so influential for people that are thinking, oh my goodness, am I going to do this? Shall I do this? What if I don't want to do it? How do I do it? So I think yeah. it's absolutely fantastic. So business aside, you grew up with your mother and your auntie Dang. Um, so Thai cooking has always been around you. What made you embark on Thai culinary cooking and yeah. sauces now? Um, it's always been, as you say, you know, with a Thai mom, sort of always surrounded by those kinds of uh, flavors. I grew up in the Middle East, so you know, although not Asian, you know, the first sort of restaurants I would have gone to would have been Indian restaurants because there was oh. a big Indian community over there. So big bowl flavors is just how I eat, and I love other cuisines as well. Um, Mexican being a favorite, actually, um, but. For me, Asian flavors really resonate. It's not just Thai food, it's all Asian flavors. You know, my mum doesn't just eat Thai food. She loves all Asian flavors. Her grandfather mm. was Chinese. Um, so it's just the food I naturally uh, cook several times a week. And actually, a few years ago, I had a, um, uh, a some chats with friends and they were saying, oh, I love, you know, Thai or Asian food, but I don't know where to get started. And I remember thinking, wow, I, it's actually not hard, you know. I make stir fries and curries and whatever dishes four times a week. And on a Monday night, if I think, oh, I don't know what to cook, I've got good quality Thai curry paste because I never make my own. I say buy a good quality Thai curry yeah. paste and a tin of coconut milk. And basically you have your dinner there. And I've always got fish sauce, of course. Um, so to me, that would be a Monday night. What do I have for dinner? That's my backup plan, you know. Um, and it's about, for, then I sort of it got the process, think, me thinking that, it doesn't have to be complicated, but people think it is. How can I show people that it's it's easy? You know, you need a few ingredients and then it's really simple. Um, so that was, that has sort of, for the last few years, I've been thinking about that. That's amazing because I'm the same. I do have fish sauce, good quality Thai paste and coconut milk in my cupboard yeah. because it is the go-to ingredient in, in our yeah. household. So you are the winner of Jamie Oliver's hit Channel 4 series, The Great Cookbook Challenge. But what was the most challenging experience for you while you were on that hit series? How much has your life changed since? Yeah, I think the. Ch I mean, it's there's a amount of pressure, isn't there? When you're on the, well, I mean, not that everyone's been on these programs, but um, there it, it was. You're in a bubble, so in a way, you're really focused on it, and it's just you don't know what to. You know, you want to do your best. You don't. With this, it's not. It wasn't just about cooking skills. That had to be a given. You had to sort of deliver yeah. something the judges liked. Uh, but it also had to be the concept. So the challenge for me was uh, showing Louise what my concept was, because okay. when I first said it, it wasn't clear. Um, and for the first few rounds, loved my food. But come on, you know, we haven't quite got the concept. And then I realized, you know, the whole process is about developing and learning. And I realized actually what I was giving was a solution. Okay. It was a solution for people that loved Asian food but didn't know how to cook it or were short on time. And when I was able to convey that, that made all the difference in okay. the program. So that was so I overcame that challenge. And obviously, since the program, you know, life has changed because I, I threw myself into writing a cookbook straight away. <laughs> so I didn't go out. I didn't leave the house for about three months. Oh my it was, a, I mean, I, I, you know, I delivered the, rec uh, the recipes in record time. Um, and so from a sort of day-to-day -day perspective, you know, that has happened and my focus has shifted. The Wolf's Kitchen okay. is absolutely still there, but I'm going to be looking at how I can get help to run the business because okay. um, 
you know, I love create for me, it's about creating, concocting. I love that side of things. Um, I'm less keen on doing accounts and uh, logistics and operations. So I've come to realize that, you know, running a food business is actually not about the food in many ways. It's about the day to day. Um, And ideally, you know, you have someone who can offset that skill base. Oh, fantastic. So everybody wants to know, you were with Jamie Oliver. He's crowned the UK's best chef ever. What was it like to cook for him? What were your feelings? Oh, obviously, very nerve-wracking because I've been a fan of Jamie ever since The Naked Chef. Um, And he's a legend. He's a food legend. And actually, I realised, I probably hadn't realised until the programme, but what a big inspiration he's been in my writing um, is the simplicity. It's that Mm. accessibility. And that is something that really sort of has seeped into my cooking over the and my writing over the years. So actually, to meet him was amazing. And um, he is just really very, you know, he's not scary at all when you meet him. But of course, you build it up in your mind. Uh, so he was very, he was really supportive. I mean, he was supportive of everyone, you know, he okay. gave everybody time and really played that role of mentor. So yeah, oh, incredible wow. experience. And I got some cooking tips from him. Uh, so it's always <laughs> useful when you're, yeah, cooking. Oh, that's amazing. So your cookbook showcases the ease of cooking with ingredients from around Asia, creating big, bold, flavorful dishes. You want to cook again. But what made you focus on sharing your love of great home cooked food? Because like you said, it's not authentic Thai recipes, yeah. but it's what your mother like taught you or your aunt. Yeah, I, th- I think it's just, look, I'm a busy person. I love these flavors. Here's how simple it is. I mean, to me, it's just... You know, I thought that this is something that a lot of people would like. Asian food is uh, the desire and for, for Asian cuisine is on the increase. And I know because I've done research for my sources, you know, I've okay. gone to the British Library and researched what the trends are doing. And, you know, the UK is on an upward trend for, for wanting to experience well flavors, spicy food, well cuisine, Asian flavors. So it's like, well, there are lots of people who like this food, but lots of people yeah. who don't know how to cook it. And I also... I, you know, I feel passionately about getting people to cook. Um, I speak to, you know, I often, um, as research for my business anyway, I ask people, oh, what do you cook? What, you know, finding out what they're, what they like yeah. cooking, what their pain points are, because it gives me inspiration. And I have so many people say, oh, we're in a rut. They're in a rut. They just, you yeah. know, either buying some of these meal kits um, at great expense, or they don't know what to cook. And it's like, yeah. well, if you use my recipes, you, you, you know, you shouldn't yeah. be in that rut. There are so many different ways of you know using these ingredients so um I just sort of this is very authentic to me it might not be authentic (laughs) recipes per se but this is this is how I cook every single day this is the kind of food I eat so it makes complete sense so I'm just very lucky that Louise the publisher of Michael um, Penguin Michael Joseph was able to understand that that was uh something other people would want no definitely because I think one thing about the UK that I love is that it's so multicultural and everyone likes spicy food, flavorful foods. And I think, you know, your book will help channel that to the people that are like, you know what? I want something quick, something fast, but also flavorful. And yeah. I think it's good that you're showcasing that for them. Exactly. So your book features small recipes, starters, noodles, stir fries, you name it, it has it. What's your favorite recipe in your book? You see, that will depend. So at the moment when I'm busy, I've been busy recently, but I've been going through a noodle phase. Um, I've got... <laughs> 
Um, I've got lo loads of noodles. I often buy the ready-to-walk ones. And my peanut hoisin noodles is so easy. And it's sort of, it's got peanut butter, chili oil. My chili crunch is what I use, which is my Wolf's Kitchen product. Um, and hoisin, essentially, as the base. And that, to me, is flavorful. It's spicy, but it's comforting. That peanut butter is rich and comforting. <sighs> so to me, that's a dish I often crave, just because it's really simple. And I just find it really satisfying. Oh, fantastic. If you ever decide to create a, a gluten-free hoisin sauce, please let me know. Oh, because it's so good. Everything gluten? has gluten in. My, my husband's a celiac and we love cooking with Asian dishes. Oh, so a lot of the, I miss dark soy, light soy, because yeah. it has that punch. And, and when uh, you use tamari, it's like, oh, it lacks the depth. I think tamari, because actually I use tamari in my um, my sauces, uh, the Wolf's Kitchen sauces, because a friend of mine, uh, you know, can't have gluten. She said, oh, can you use tamari? So I had bottles of it from when I was recipe testing that. And so I just used tamari. But actually, when I was writing recipes for the book, I thought okay. they were the same. And I realized that soy is saltier. Yeah, uh, definitely. And I thought, oh, no, do I have to go back and adjust all the measurements? Because tamari is fine. It's absolutely fine as a substitute for soy. It just tiny bit less salty I think and it, and it takes because it's so for me it's a little weak and I do miss proper soy so and when we're trying to cook Asian dishes we struggle absolutely struggle to find a lot of the products that we would usually use before yeah. celiac so yeah if you ever do please well, let me know my Wolf, I think all my Wolf's Kitchen sauces I don't think they have um any gluten in them so there's a few there <laughs> and actually doesn't the cooking patients I'm pretty sure because they use tamari, um, you know, they're, they're uh -huh. already done. Happy days. Um, so let's fast forward a little bit. I have been following while actually drooling over your pictures on Instagram. And the one thing I noticed about your pages is that your images are actually real. Like it's like somebody's actually cooked them themselves. Was that a conscious decision? Because a lot of products, well, photos nowadays are enhanced and edited and, you know, with a beautiful backdrop. Yeah. Why? Like, why have you decided that? Well, you? yeah. So, so on the photo shoot, I did actually cook all the food. So we had quite oh, a hard, um, uh, tough sort of. Uh, well, one minute. We had to. We had to make a lot in one day. Is what I'm trying to say. Get the words yeah. out. So uh, we did about ten or eleven a day, and so I was. Cooking oh my them. goodness. Um, I was lucky because we had a food team. So she would. Uh, the food stylist would go off and then style it, and then I would. Styling is not my forte. So it was styled, uh, but the we made a conscious decision to make things look really simple. So there's not the dressing of the table. You know, yeah, there might be the odd glass or something else in it, but it's really simple. And we've done that on purpose just to show how simple the recipe is because it's visually, actually, when you look at a page, the, the more stuff it's got on it, the more complicated it seems, even if the core dish yeah. is exactly the same. So we made a conscious decision. Let's keep this simple. These are dishes I cooked. They were, you know, and they're pretty much as they were, you know, a little bit of uh, yeah. styling and, and that was it. So I think that's why we were able to do so many dishes each day because the food is so simple. Okay, that's amazing because I think for anyone that's looking or wondering whether to buy your book, seeing those images will be like, that's it. Because yeah. some people get nervous and put off by the fact that everything just looks so elaborate. Yeah. And for me noticing that, I was like, oh my God, they look real. They don't look yeah. like it's on a magazine, but it's what people want these days as well. Yeah. Yeah, so, definitely. oh, well done. That's awesome. Um, so I love your range of your feisty products, which they are for me, which yeah. I'm so excited. And they're a must, they are a must for your store cupboard. What's your go-to product from your range of sources to ease your stress of midweek yeah. cooking? Yeah, it's definitely my chili oil, which is the hero product, chili crunch. Um, it's, I mean, 
I use it in, I actually use it in just a couple of dishes, but I put it on top of everything. So even if I'm not cooking Asian food, actually, I have it on soup, um, hummus, pasta, tomato pasta with it, simple dinner, roast some tomatoes in the uh, cherry tomatoes. And got with garlic and then mix it with pasta and put chili crunch in it. And it's the same oh. thing as that. Stir fry some broccoli, add it on top. So that definitely that is, you know, my favorite uh, product. Oh, brilliant. So if you decide, I notice in all your before photographs, you have a re- you're wearing a red lipstick. Yeah. Throughout history, yeah. red lis- <laughs> red lipstick has been considered many things: provocative, audacious, classic, and disruptive. What is your go-to shade? Well, I like, um, I've got a, a few options, but it has to be the orange side of red. Okay. Yes, uh, just, just, that's what I sort of like. And I feel it sort of, you know, suits my skin tone. I also like a corally pink, which I have as well. Um, I'm still on the search for the perfect pink. I'd like to find a really good hot pink, but I haven't quite found it yet. <laughs> I need to go lipstick to your pink. So <laughs> I would definitely wear a hot pink if I could find the shade. Uh, we need to exchange because I want yeah. to wear corals, orange side of red, yeah, and hot yeah. pinks. Oh, perfect. <laughs> but honestly, it's amazing. Um, so I believe you are a female role model, a go-to motivational resource for young girls. You have shown girls what they can achieve, which I see raising the aspirations of young girls around the world. Is there any any valuable advice you would give yourself as a young person? Well, first of all, thank you. <laughs> That's really yeah. kind of you to say that. Um, it's so true, but... Well, you know, I did, I'll be honest, I frittered away my 20s, probably. I could have done more, actually. I okay. um, Entrepreneurship wasn't the thing it is now. I, I don't think it was, And you know, with, with internet, because, you know, internet wasn't as big a thing when I was in my 20s. It just it wasn't. wasn't. Um you know, I remember someone in the office buying something from Amazon and that was like, what are you doing? That's weird. We all think this guy was weird. He was buying all this stuff from Amazon. Actually, he was ahead of the game. Uh, so it is different and it's opened things up. It's a leveler. And I would think, I'd say, you know, don't waste a moment. Go, like, absolutely explore your passions, but be active, but take action. I think I probably spent, and you know what? It's fine. You know, I, yes, I wish I had if I could have gone back, I'd have got work experience in a food company. That would have been really useful. I didn't necessarily know I wanted to do food at that point in time. You know, I was following music, which in reality, it, there is more of a luck. You can work really hard and it is a luck game, to, to be honest. Yeah. I think you've got to have that talent, but there is a lot of luck at play. So it's a bit harder. I, I mean, just it is hard. It's a hard industry. Um, with what food, having a bit an entrepreneurship, you can really make a difference by that action. So I think it's about taking action all the time, um, learning, keeping up that learning, go to workshops, ne- you know, keep on that networking. And so there's a lot more that you can do now um, than, than I certainly did. Um, so, but yes, absolutely. Just honestly, research, network, take action, uh, leave no stone unturned. <laughs> no, definitely. I think nowadays internet's made things more accessible in terms of networking and definitely. you know competitions and you know just learning like e courses, everything. Um, but I think it's just been absolutely wonderful, Dominique, having a quick natter with you. It's been, it's been a, it's been a laugh, and I'm absolutely blessed that you were on my podcast today. Um, so for guys, thank you so much, Dominique, and. If you want to know, guys, anyone listening, if you want to know more about Do- Dominique, uh, sorry, I'm getting nervous, um, culinary adventure, please follow her on Dominique Wolf on Instagram, 
Dominique, thank you so much. It's been oh, an absolute pleasure. Amazing, lovely conversation. Thank you, thank you for thank having you. me. It's been exciting and good luck with everything. Thank you. Thank year. you. The Naughty Bites Podcast.